Thanks for joining the conversation. I'm Deanna, and today it's my joy and privilege to spend some time with recording artist Elias Dama. He's the former frontman of the City Harmonic, and now Elias is embarking on a solo journey in music with his brand new album, The Work Volume 1. And he's tackling some topics pretty close to my heart through his songwriting on this record identity and achievement, just to name a few. So let's dive in and get to know Elias Dummer a little better. How are you gearing up, by the way? How are you getting ready for the release of the new album? Are there, are there any kind of, does one go, does one mantra, like what does one do when one is releasing a new album, and especially when it's your first solo album as well? Yeah, no, I, that's, a, that's a good question. I, I don't entirely know. There's a whole bunch of firsts. It's my first solo album. It's my first uh, truly independent release. Uh, so in other words, um, I'm working with a record label for like distribution, but it's my first sort of self self-driven self kind of from the start. Um, we did an Indiegogo and that's, that's been great, but yeah, it, it's, there's a whole bunch of firsts. And so I'm kind of, so I've said this about the church plant I'm involved with too, but we're kind of building the plane while we fly it. It's a, a whole new experience on every level. So yeah, I mean, it's been fun. I mean, we're, we're kind of driving a lot of stuff ready to help people kind of find the songs and, and help figure out how to communicate those things kind of on our own and getting a team together. So there's a lot of moving parts right now. So mostly just about staying sane in the midst of that. <laughs> Which is easier said than done when you've got you yes. know, a wife and five children and goodness knows what else. I love the analogy building our plane, building the plane while we fly it. I'm not really sure that's a safe option. Let's not do that in real life. <laughs> no, I think it would be pretty terrible for real life, but um, but, but it works as a metaphor. <laughs> well, does it? <laughs> for this. <laughs> for this one. Um, okay, so why have you decided to go independent? For a lot of people, I guess for a lot of artists in the past, going independent was more of a necessity. Uh, you saw a lot of success as a band, the band disbanded, you've gone solo, and nowadays you have more option because of social media, because of being able to fundraise and crowdfund your own album and all the costs involved in that. You yeah. have a lot more freedom now as an artist. So um, why go the route, Why go the independent route for you? Why has that been part of your yeah. decision making? Well, it, it's, it's a bit... It takes a bit of explaining, but um, I actually own and, and run a marketing agency. And one of the things that thing, this is ridiculous—you run a church, you have a family. Well, I don't. I don't albums. run a church. I'm, I'm <laughs> You're very involved in a church. You you literally yeah. do everything. It sounds like. Well, no, no, not everything. But but I've I've been I've been working in the marketing space for the better part of the last decade. Um, so through the City Harmonic and all that as well it was actually um, funny enough how we got started was I had a a client a recording studio in the Toronto area that was looking to get their kind of, you know, branding and messaging and all that kind of stuff put together. And so we did a barter and that's how we recorded introducing the City Harmonic. But um, yeah, so I, one of the things that's interesting about the label system is that it it only works at at scale? It only it only works as like a mass market thing. So you either you either get everybody or you get nobody. But the problem is when you aim for everybody in terms of as a songwriter or as a communicator or as an artist or even as a pastor, if you're trying to communicate only the things that will resonate with everyone, the the fact of the matter is you're going to say very little of substance. And so I think being independent. 
um, for me has given me the freedom to A, not be afraid of what I could write down on paper or what it would mean or what, you know, that kind of thing, but just to be more courageous as an artist. Um, and, and also just kind of try new things. Uh, I think there's a lot of labels are trying new things. It's not to say that they don't. It's just quite fun to have my own team and to be able to do things a little bit differently. I'm, I'm pretty nerdy and I, I like to dig into kind of the deep end of some things in terms of theology and philosophy and how you communicate those things in music and art and how all those things play together. And, and I think, um, the idea that, you know, I, I could, whether I eventually write a book or whatever, just the, the ability to sort of look at what I'm doing as first and foremost, a ministry that has a business component rather than the other way around, uh, really is, the, is a major motivator there. So what is it that you want to say through your music, through your life? What are you trying to communicate? Uh, if I had to boil it down to two things, I think one is that worship is holistic, um, it is heart, soul, mind, and strength, just as our faith is. That in all, in everything, that Christ comes first. You know, I mean, I'm here in the states now, having moved from Canada, and their, the approach to politics is completely different here. There's just a lot of in life right now in society, especially here. I, I imagine it's also true in the UK. I know it's true in Canada as well. But there seems to be a competition of tribes everywhere you look. Everything is about allegiances rather than what anyone is saying or the substance of their argument or anything like that. And so I, I think recognizing that there is no tribe like Jesus, you know, that, that, that our whole selves, our, our mind, our heart, our emotion, our bodies, all of that, that we give it to Christ and worship both in terms of when we gather together and then, you know, everything else. Um, but also that I think worship and discipleship are a lot more closely entwined than we sometimes give them credit. And I think that poses challenges for pastors and preachers and songwriters as well is saying, you know, how is it that people actually learn? How is it that people actually change their mind or, or even just as important, change their behavior and their actions? You know, um, everyone, everyone knows McDonald's is bad for them, but people still eat Big Macs. So there are a million examples in the church where we can preach a message and we can sing a song, but is, is a person's behavior actually changing as a result? Are they acting and living more like Jesus as a result? And so what responsibility do we as worship leaders bear in helping people and pastoring people to live more like Christ? And so that's, that's the, really the thing that drives me. That if I'm going to write songs, if I'm going to write things down on paper or whatever, um, that that at the end of the day, I hope I'm helping Christians to live more like Jesus in a practical way. And I love that. And that's such a great thought, particularly um, what you mentioned earlier about community. There's such a, an earnest uh, running towards almost like a desperate, I want to belong, I want to belong, I want to belong, mm-hmm. that we choose belonging over um, really necessarily sometimes questioning, but are these people that I should belong with? Um, what's the bigger impact on my life if I belong here? What is the conversation? Do I care? Do I just silence myself? Because I belong, I'm not really thinking about. And then you think about 
does this group of people help me to behave more like Christ or am I just so, and we do that with churches. We do that with all sorts of Mm -hmm. Christian groups as well as school and university and um, just life in general. For you as an artist who travels, but also as a family man, as someone who's involved in a local church, as an individual, what kind of community are you trying to belong to? Is it something you really think about or have thought about maybe um, in your younger years before you had kids? Is the is the concept and the conversation around belonging, what I belong to, um, is that been a big thought or conversation for you internally? Oh, absolutely. I think um, I'm a little bit of a statistic in that I'm in my coming on my late thirties and, and have five kids and a couple of things on the go. So, you know, I'm, I play into the reality of not having as much time for social things as I would like to. Um, and so, but, but I think in the church, I mean, I think belonging is in a lot of ways, the ability to be as transparent as you can with people, to have people who really and truly know you. Um, and, and whether that's inside the home, outside the home, I think that's an important, an important component there. Um, but I, th- I think too that uh, it's really important that there's a sense of not just affinity in terms of we happen to be in the same place, and not even necessarily that we agree on things. But I think belonging in a lot of ways stems from having some sense of shared belief that we're all here because of this thing that we agree on or that we're working towards or, or whatever. And it isn't just a thing in and of itself. Um, at that point, it, it, like you said, there's like a desperation to belong that I think is is healthy. We need other people. We are social creatures, and 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 we live in like a, a world that is sort of so isolated and individual. But that that sometimes that desperation drives us to pretend to connect instead of to connect deeply. By, by actually taking the risk of saying what we believe or what we think or how we feel about things, we just simply accept presence without any sense of sort of going into the deep end with people. And I, I really love the idea of kind of having a few deep end people in my life. And I, and I have a few and I, I wish I had more. So how do we get deep end in the age of social media? How do you do it? <laughs> I think you get off of social media. Um, now, I mean, I, I have... And like I said, I run a marketing company, so we deal with social media all the time. But it, but at the end of the day, I think it's really like you know, I think it's really important to be physically present with people, to have coffees or whatever it is, and to sit down and have a conversation about real things. I mean, I, I, my wife and I just a couple of weeks ago started to set, we both have iPhones and they have a time limit option on it. We started to set time limits for our devices for the whole day and even just Facebook. Like, you know, I think I have like a 30 day maximum on, 30 minute maximum on Facebook or whatever in a day. And and the reason is, you know, I, I want to spend more time with people. I want to spend more time writing and organizing my thoughts and sketching or writing music or whatever. And so I just making sure that I put limits and disciplines in place so that I have that time so that I've not wasted it, I think is, is a big start. Tell me more about you and how you came to faith. Well, I, I grew up in the church. My my mom was baptized Anglican. We I grew up in this little uh, Baptist church in Canada um, that with an Anglican youth pastor and an Anglican mother. So who knows? Um, but right right kind of in the shadow at the same time of Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship going on. I was eleven in nineteen ninety four. So um, it, it's it's sort of this very hodgepodge area in terms of lots of different denominations working together 
together in, in my town because the city was very poor and it was necessary. And at the same time, you had this kind of giant revival in our backyard in Toronto happening all the time. So that was kind of the context for me. Um, started leading worship when I was 12 um, and, and really started, I had a youth pastor that was really intense about the idea of discipleship. And so that was a topic we, we, that was a conversation we had all the time was, was, Hey, this, this thing is about following Jesus all the time with everything. So what are you going to do about that? The, there's one message I had for years. It's that, that Jesus unites us both as, as people, but also as the church, you know, it, it's, it's not just because we want to that we're able to work together. It's because of who Jesus is. And it's not just because I discover myself or I learn something about myself that I'm able to feel like a whole person. It's because of who Jesus is and what he does. And, and, and so that sense of kind of concentric circles of, of Christ making things whole, um, I think has been sort of a, a theme of my life and a theme of, of my experience of faith and, and knowing Christ. Well, speaking of working together and living and working as a community and belonging, you were with the City Harmonic for um, quite a while. You, you, all yeah. did, you all did rather well. Um, how did working together, what did that look like when you were a part of this band where you tour all the time and it's not just about the one individual? Now as a solo artist, of course, you make all the decisions and you're an independent artist, so you really do make all the decisions. But it right. doesn't look like that when you're in a band or when you're signed to a major label and that kind of thing. So uh, tell me a little bit about the the journey of the City, City Harmonic and how you managed to work together, live together, pray together, tour together, be in each other's worlds and each other's pockets all the time um, and do it well. Because I feel like in church life, but in community in general, we're, we're all in similar situations where people might be around us or super involved in our life all the time. We don't necessarily get to make all the decisions. It can be stressful. It can be frustrating. Family can drive us up the wall. Um, so I'm just interested to hear about your experience with that. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, so the City Harmonic came out of a movement of different churches working together across denominational lines in mission. So from the get-go, we were a worship band that didn't attend the same church. We attended different churches because we led worship at different churches. That was kind of our story from the beginning. Um, so part of I think staying healthy. And when we retired as a band in 2017, uh, we did so as friends and we continue to be peers and friends. And, and so it's, it, you know, retiring, ending healthy, um, in my mind, at least had a, we've sort of developed a culture of having those annoying conversations from the get-go. Uh, I had already, when we started the band, I had already been involved in publishing and in Nashville and in and out, that sort of thing. And so it was important to me to have transparent conversations about, hey, you know, um, we hear of bands all the time where one guy writes one song that blows up huge. And so, you know, a person does very, 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 very well. And then another person in the band putting in just as many hours of work maybe, but not in the same way, doesn't. And so we, we, we tried to be intentional in creating a system, if you will, that protected us from those things, from, from the risk of our friendship uh, being jeopardized in the favor of a few bucks. And so we did that from the beginning, and I think that protected us in a lot of ways. And, and, and along the way, we continue to have those conversations as we needed to. What does it look like for us to, hey, name the thing that needs naming so we can sort it out, uh, but also create boundaries, if you will, or processes that allow us to protect 
the kind of this deep friendship. I mean, when you're in a band, you're basically married. I mean, you're, you are in each other's faces all the time. And so I think just getting to know each other really well and looking at the success of the whole as more important than my mood or whatever, uh, was, was, is a big component. And I think something everyone has to be committed to. Yeah. Everyone has to be committed to the same thing. I guess you've worked with some well, you got to do life with people who agreed that you wanted to have, you wanted to be in agreement, um, which is amazing. And I guess grace must have a lot to do with it as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and even you know, I, I was always really committed to the idea of the band being very democratic, to the point where it was actually the band and not me that. Like it was Josh, the drummer in the band, that was like, "Dude, you really need to go and record a solo record." I, you know, the story of like the lead singer leaving the band to go pursue his wild dreams, it you know is a bit of a cliche. And in our case, it was it was really not that way at all. Eric was wanting to play at church, and the three of us said, "Oh, what does it look like? Let's give it another year and and continue." And then eventually, Josh was saying, "You know, I want to be home with my family. I know you want to be home with your family. You should go off and and do this and 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 do your." own thing. So you can kind of do it in a different way. Um, cause the economy of a band and the reality of that is a, is a different animal. Um, and so it's, I, I think that's, that's part of it. It's just saying, Hey, why, knowing your why and knowing your reason for doing what you do and, and it helps to sort of determine some of the, the systems and processes and, and even just what you do in your relationships that, that, that equip and empower that thing. You know, I mean, if, if my main goal was to go out and be the winner of Christian music or something, I would do it differently than I am. But that's not my goal. And I think that, that you know, for me, the relationships were, were essential and valuable. And I'm, I'm a, you know, a bit of an outgoing sort. So I, I thoroughly enjoy having good friends and, and I, I'd like to keep it that way. So what is your goal then? Uh, for me, I think, you know, when there were times with the band when, there's anxiety around writing a certain kind of hit or a certain kind of song, you know, even pragmatically that may, that, that may not be healthy as an artist, as a creator, as a pastor type. Um, and, and so for me, my goal really is what does it look like for me in what I'm doing to be a good steward of what God's given me to do and disciple people? How do I help worship as a conversation? How do I help our habits and practices in the church to make better, to make Christians I mean, I know that sounds funny, but like, I think what we do and the, and the habits that we adopt as the church, that they shape how we live. And so my goal is to continue to write songs, to write things, whether it's articles or a book or whatever, I have conversations that drive that forward, that, that we are to Christians to live whole lives for Jesus, not a few minutes on a Sunday and not just with my brain or with my words, but my whole life. And that as a community, we are to be a whole community for Jesus and to figure out whether it's in song or, you know, a blog post or whatever it is, um, to how to do that better and better and better. Yeah, that's good. You mentioned just then about the anxiety that might surround writing your next hit. And and as an artist, I mean, that's as a musician and as a recording artist, um, I wonder how much pressure do you feel that you're under as you go, as you go to now release a solo record? You are doing it independently. So do you feel pressure either external or internal um, to be successful? 
Does that make sense? Uh, it depends on what you mean by successful. Exactly, though, because <laughs> yeah. because because that's it. Because the success could be um, the single or the album charting. It could be the amount of records sold. It could be the amount of attention that it gets. Um, what does success look like to you? And what's your journey been like in um, putting pressure and expectation to one side and pursuing what you feel God's telling you to do? Yeah. So, so part of that for me looks like, and I mentioned earlier, part of why I'm glad to have my hand in a few different pies is I don't, I'm not depending on a hit for my next meal. My kids don't, my kids don't need me on the radio to have Christmas. And so I think that the, for me, that has been a really healthy thing. I really like that I'm able to pursue ministry in a way where, sure, there's business involved, but it actually really isn't about the business at all and doesn't need to be. So that, that, that's been a really healthy thing for me. Um, and so success, I think, you know, it, it's funny. There, there's a sense in which like, you know, having this conversation on a podcast versus radio is really interesting to me because mass media has changed so much. And there's a, a, a an author who talks about this uh, a lot, but I mean, radio, once upon a time, you put one thing out and everybody heard the same thing all at the same time. But the internet and media doesn't work that way anymore. It's it's more like, you know, a billion tiny whispers. Everybody's having a million tiny one-on-one conversations. And as an artist, I think that's really interesting because I don't need, maybe it'll happen. Maybe, uh, you know, 10 million people, I mean, even just the things that we consider massive hits, if you look at the statistics of the number of people there are in the world, you could have the number one song on CCLI that a third of your church has never heard. So the, the landscape of what it means to be successful in art is different, even at the top. And the sooner we all recognize it, the healthier we'll all be in saying, hey, what I need to do is be genuine in what I'm doing, be courageous in how I say what I'm saying and what my message is, be consistent, and also to be willing to work with and reach the people who are there and who are ready to hear it and, and just focus on that. You know, I mean, it, it, as an, it, I, I think I've heard that it takes a thousand true fans as an independent artist to make a living. I, I'm not at this point especially worried about whether or not I make a living at this so much as I am just trying to figure out what does it look like for me to be able to continue to feed into people and to pour into people in, so that they can do what we do better on a, on a week-to-week basis as the church and on a day-to-day basis as believers. And, and that to me is success. I know that sounds cliche, but at, at, at the end of the day, I think I'm, I'm trying my best to make it as true as I possibly can in terms of what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. No, I really like that. And I would agree with you because there can be so much um, pressure on a particular generation as well when you're starting a new business for the first time or, um, you know, bloggers or Instagrammers or whatever. It's like, oh, if I, I, there's genuinely a culture that says, or it feels at least like someone is saying, if you don't have X amount of people following you on Instagram, then you haven't attained your value, which is complete rubbish. And if God asks us to step out and do something, that if you hear, hear that, you know, that small voice where God is, is urging you maybe over a season of a few months or a year and you finally step out and you're building something, whether it's a website or a new business or a podcast or maybe putting out your first album independently or whatever it is, um, surely obedience is success. You don't necessarily know what the outcome's going to look like because if you're trusting God, then it's up to him to do what he wants with it. 
Exactly. And I mean, that's really what my album is about. I mean, I called it the work, really trying to play on liturgy, um, being liturgy being an old word that often translates to the work, the work of the people. Uh, really the message of the album of my first song enough. There's a song title track on the album called the work. It ain't easy. That really hammers home on this, but is, you know, we, we planted a church here in South of Nashville. Um, one of the top 10, uh, wealthiest counties in the country, in the United States. Um, I'm pretty sure that the median household income in the County that we're in is more than double the median household income of the country. And yet, this county of ours, as I was talking to my youth, the youth pastor at our church, has the second highest teen suicide rate in the country, in the state, sorry, in the state. So it's, it's kind of a, a really an important wake-up call for me that this, the, the, the criteria we use to judge success in life, they're failing us miserably, and they're failing our kids and I think it's really, really important for us as Christians to not buy into hustle culture. That it's, it's, it's not about what you do. You're, as an artist, you're not only as valuable as your last, your last hit. I mean, there, all of this, I heard of a church, I heard of a worship pastor here in the States, uh, a Scottish guy actually, who was let go from his church and was given a non-compete so that he couldn't go to another church in a certain miles radius for a job. Like we're in a weird time. And I think it's really, really important as Christians to say, Hey, is that, you know, I'm probably going to post this on social media today, but, but you know, if we asked people, what is a Christian like and what is Jesus like? I don't know that we would get the same answers. And yeah, that's right. We might get very, very shocking answers. I'm, I think I'm going to do this, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's success to me needs to look more and more like letting Jesus do the work. If we actually recognize that our identity as believers and our identity as followers of Jesus is in who Jesus is, we don't have anything to prove to God. And I think that that's a really difficult message to adopt and to understand. And I still, I struggle with it, but it is the thing that I kind of want to be talking about, you know, that if, if Colossians one is true and Jesus is who he says he is, then he is enough. Then, then the work isn't ours to do. You know, I mean, there's this, uh, I think it might, I don't, it's a central European, I don't know, Scandinavian proverb that, that, um, the best place to find help is at the end of your own arm. And I think there's something, that rings true about this in the world, but is a terrible way to see yourself. And, and, and I think it's really important for us to say, hey, yeah, I have the ability to make a change in the world. I have the ability to go out and do things, but not because I'm so awesome and can work harder and sleep less and have fewer friends and all this kind of stuff. No, but because God has made, God is, God loves me. I'm valued. I'm worth it. And, and it's not because of who I am, but because of who he is. And if that's the case, then I can't ruin that. I can't break that. Easter and Christmas still happen, whether or not we have cantatas. You know, I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's this sense in which the church is trying to kind of jump the shark. And I, I think we need to wake up and go, you know what? Jesus is Jesus whether or not we do these things. Now, 
it's not to say we shouldn't do them. We can do them for the right reasons. But, but I think it's really important for us to define success as being faithful to Christ, putting one foot in front of the other, and and doing our best to have the sentence end there. <laughs> I'm really inspired as well as we started a new year um, about how many instead of looking at the numbers like the numbers of how many website hits or how many downloads or how many whatever, whatever, Instagram. Like, I don't really care about that stuff anyway, but genuinely looking at, forget all of that stuff that might bring in sponsors and whatever else that comes with my job working in Mm -hmm. broadcast media and focusing more on, but how have I introduced more people to Jesus this year? Like, like, and that you can't put, how have I helped people grow in their faith? How have I helped, how have I helped people find faith who perhaps are anti-church? Um, and some of that stuff, just you just can't reflect that in numbers. Like that's a journey thing and that's a getting to heaven thing. But if that's my idea of success, then I'm, <laughs> I better be happy doing it in the quiet and the secret place because a lot of people aren't going to see that. Right. A lot of people won't see it and you don't know the impact of what you're doing, which, which is the reality of Christian art, I think, too. In music, sometimes you do a lot of events and from your perspective, emotionally, it, feels, it can feel hollow. Some of the most profound moments for other people are for you hardly different than scratching your shoulder. And, and uh, that's not to say that you're disconnected from what you're doing. That's anything you do over and over again. I mean, often habits, they're at their most effective when we stop paying attention to them, right? And so I think there's, there's, there's something to that going, hey, knowing why you do what you do, keeping that at the front of mind and getting up to do it anyway, whether you feel like it or not. I think that's a really important, important part of that. Yeah, keep doing the right thing. Don't lose hope. It's in the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> well, you, right. You mentioned there about um, not buying into hustle culture. So if I don't buy into hustle culture, like what's the opposite of that? What should it feel or look like to do um, the opposite? That's a really good question. Um, it was, we were just talking about this this morning at a church meeting, actually. Um I think, you know, I, I have my ha- hand in a few different pies. I'm doing a few different things. Um, but the irony of it is I, I, I'm not working more. I think it's just being intentional to say, hey, it's really important to me to spend time with my family. It's really important to me to have friendships. It's really important to me to rest. With my personality type, it would be really easy for me to just work and not give my body and my mind a break. You know, and so I think I think the opposite of that looks to some degree like taking the step back and saying, "Hey, what is it that I'm? You know, what is it that I'm missing in this mix? What is it that I've turned up too loud?" And put intentional steps in whether it's a part of my routine or whatever it is, but just something that helps me to break that. Um, Because hustle culture really is like, hey, if you don't do it, it won't happen. And there is a degree to which in most things that that can be true. But the question is like, I think the heart of that is this sense in which we are constantly proving our own necessity to the world. And I think as a disciple of Jesus, it's, it's really important for us to get our why from somewhere else. It can't be that. Proving your necessity to the world. That is something that I think we fall into that trap. Some of us, I have done, particularly in my industry, that's constantly changing. It's very competitive um, in broadcast media. We do that. We we feel that we need to prove 
you need me and I'm still relevant and I'm still yep. worth my salary. And we're, if you're in, de- a lot of people now are obviously freelance and independent workers as well and have multiple streams of incomes and jobs. So you're also convincing people to hire you. Mm-hmm. We end up putting up a face, putting on a face a little bit, do you think? And it sounds very stressful, but it's like I'm, I'm constantly trying to show you how much you need me rather than just resting in my own value and worth. Like, it sounds very stressful to me, and I think it probably is for a lot of people. Yeah, oh yeah, and I think, you know, certain generations certainly experience it more than others, um, just with the reality of the economy. But in the arts, it's especially weird because, you know, they have this they talk about this thing called the long tail that the the number one of anything makes twice what the number 2 makes, who makes twice what the number 3 makes, and by the time you get to number 10, you're dealing with a fraction of what number 1 makes. And so if you're talking about money or success or reach or any of those things, chasing that number one spot is extremely stressful. Um, and, and so it's not to say that you shouldn't aim for things. I guess I want to be clear about that. But, but it, it really is important, I think, for us to recognize that we don't have something to prove, that your value is not dependent on your job or anything. I mean, I think of Brother Lawrence, you know, um, and I think a lot of worship leaders, especially, would benefit from thinking this through. I mean, Brother Lawrence has a book that has lasted hundreds of years that that Christians today are reading inspirationally, and and there are. Many, many people who of the day might have been considered influencers or people of importance who we've never heard of. Brother Lawrence was the dish the dishwasher in uh, like as a monk. So what did he do? He got up and he worshipped God by doing the dishes and wrote some things down about prayer. We never know how what we're doing is going to matter. I mean, we wrote a song with the City Harmonic called Holy Wedding Day um, that we could have easily decided was a failure because it didn't work at radio. But I have people coming up to me all the time about this song that never, on by any distribution metric, never worked. And yet there it is. It's still a song. People talk. It's, it, I, I get an email every couple of weeks about somebody saying, hey, we're using this song in our wedding or we used it and here's the video. And it's, it's incredible. It's an incredible inspiration. And for me, it's, it's a constant reminder that if it's not, you know, things don't happen on their own. I'm not naive. But at the same time, I think there's something really healthy about letting God do things and just being faithful to doing the work. And letting God do the work through us. Yeah, do the work. But at the end of the day, you've got to be able to put the pen down and remove anxiety and let God do his bit and let him add on top of, you know, the the six or seven hours of work you've done that day. Can I ask you then, how do we practically let go and let God? How do we, um, you know, really embrace another way of living instead of just being stressed out and really get, getting caught up in all this nonsense that we don't need to get caught up in? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um I happen to believe that humans are much more creatures of what we often do is think, oh, if I had enough willpower or if I just apply my willpower enough, I will go and I will be a different person. And I think most of us know on some level that that's just not the case, that we are extremely habitual creatures. Um, There's a, a 
there's quite a number of books on the topic, but I mean, I think that the world itself, the patterns that we're in, the habits that we're in, they shape us. And so I think it is important for us to establish thoughtful and intentional patterns and habits of our own, which is part of what I think, why I think worship is so important. Um, I think disciples worship and worship disciples. If somebody sees Jesus for who he is, the logical thing to do is to worship Jesus. And in that practice itself, even if you're not learning a new idea, but you are constantly, we know that the brain has what's called neuroplasticity, that it's constantly rewiring itself. And if the brain is constantly rewiring itself, then the things that we choose to do, even things that might seem boring or rote, those things are wiring our brain. They're shaping what how, our instincts and therefore our behaviors. And so I think it's really, really important for us to not give up. Also a thing in the Bible, not give up on meeting together, not give up on worshiping together, not give up on prayer, even when it's boring, but to, but to instead say, hey, what does it look like for me to give up on being entertained for a few minutes and to sit back and say, hey, what does it look like for me to just do the thing? And in that doing to change my instincts. And so that over time, it, that kind of long, hard faithfulness, that in, which is the least kind of, you know, glorious sounding thing I've ever said, maybe. But, but, I, but I think there really is something to just putting one foot in front of the other and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to go to church this morning. I mean, we know in the States, I don't know about the UK, but in the States, the average church-going person, the average person you would consider a churchgoer attends church only 1.8 times a month. Now, if church attendance were godliness, I think we would have a different history than we do. But So there's more to it than that. But like I said, it, it, there's that sense of giving it our whole selves, thinking about things like that intentionally, and also doing the practice. We often want to choose a thing, one thing, because it's simple. We want to say, oh, it's all about having the right beliefs, or it's all about love, or it's all about this, or, and, it's, and it's not. Nothing is all about any one thing. I think it's really important for us to say, hey, it's, it is, in a sense, about giving our whole selves to it and doing it even when we don't want to, if we know it's the right thing to do. Yes, I like that a lot. It's a lot simpler than we, we overcomplicate stuff. It's a lot simpler. Monks understand. <laughs> There's a lot yeah, of people. That's right. And a lot that's of right. different civilizations, much older than ours, who get it. It's, it's a lot simpler. And life is long, so give it time. 1.8, though, that's an interesting number because that's not, it's not even two. It's not one, it's not two. It makes me feel like people walk out sort of halfway through yep. the sermon or something. <laughs> that's true. You know I mean? Anyway, um, I'm going to need to let you go in a minute. Let me just... Um, Start to wrap up, let me ask you this. What did you learn with the City Harmonic that you'll be taking with you into your solo journey? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I think, I think and we talked about this a little bit, but I, th I think that your relationships, your friendships, um, knowing people, not just being so kind of caught up in your own thing that you don't look up and see the people around you, um, I think that that's the thing. I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that we spent almost 10 years together. Um, well, we did spend 10 years together, really, um, whether or not we were out in public as a band. So that we came to the end of that as, as friends um, rather than coworkers who are mad at each other. I think there's, I think there's really something in that, in my mind, that, that I, I'm proud of that. Whatever we did or didn't do, commercially, I'm proud that, that we're friends, 
that, that, that we came out the other end of that with deep, valuable relationships. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, if there was anything, it's that, it's that when we were doing that, I was caught up in the midst of working hard to kind of help everybody's ends, ends meet. And yet, and I think I was often guilty of not looking up and not being present. And I, and I think that's, that's, that's certainly something I've taken with me. Well, the, the record is uh, called The Work. It's out on the 8th of February, which is very exciting. Congratulations on all your hard work, on all your fundraising, on everything you've had to do to get this out into the world. I'm sure you are feeling very proud of the project. Yeah, I know. It's been a joy. Good. Um, let me ask you, before we let you go, how can we pray for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, certainly just pray for continued uh, strength and, and endurance in being faithful to what God's put in front of me. And I, I think that, you know, I, I'm constantly challenged by other people to take the next step. I mean, whether it's writing or songs or whatever, but to actually just go ahead and do the thing and to not let fear drive anything like that. And, and, and so that's really been it for me is trying to, to act out of faith and confidence in who God has, uh, who God has made me to be and who God has made each of us to be, um, and, and not fear. So I think it might seem simple, but pray for me and for each of us who are in public ministry in any way. And, and each of us going to work every day and trying to be Jesus, do not be afraid. My thanks to Elias Dama for speaking with me today. His debut solo record, The Work Volume 1, is available now from Integrity Music and wherever you stream or download your tunes from. Thanks for your company. I'll be back soon for another conversation in our Hide of Heart series.